Welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in these special bonus episodes, we are talking about the His Dark Materials TV series on BBC and HBO. Beware, these episodes are not spoiler free and will contain spoilers for the original HGM trilogy. So if you haven't read them all, pop back when you're all caught up. This week, we are discussing Season 3, Episode 2, The Break. Well, hello. Uh, Hello. Here we are. Hello, hello, hello. Here we are. Episode 2. Okay, before we even start talking, I want to talk about the really exciting thing that we did on Tuesday. Yes, okay, yes, yes, yes. I agree. I think that should be talked about. As we are recording this, it is like the 16th of December and on the 14th? 13th? 13th. Yeah. 13th, we went to the premiere of season three. We went to like the Fancy Pants cast and crew present premiere thing at the bfi and we had fancy drinks and we wore fancy clothes and we met really we met everyone and it was lovely and i'm just gonna go cry yeah it was so (laughs) lovely and i mean we've said it all over social media if you didn't see us there then have a look at our instagram highlights i added everything to a little highlight so you can have a look at the pictures we took we didn't take that many but you'll be able to see a little bit of the night but yeah it was so fun and it was really special to be invited because you know three years ago when we first started covering the tv series it was just a bit of fun in a way and obviously it still is fun but now people listen people from the show listen people like us like it was absolutely bananas to us the amount of people the amount of people in general that came up to us and said they listened to the podcast, which is always amazing, but the amount of people from the cast and crew that specifically sought us out to talk to us about the pod, special shout out to Brian Fisher. Brian, Brian, God, we love you so much. We talk about this all the time. You all have not been treated yet to a full episode of content from Brian, and it is going to happen. We're going to pester him in the new year, and we are going to give you a full hour's worth of LMP goodness with Brian Fisher. It's going to be great. Uh, we got to meet a lot of the puppet team. Puppet crew! There. The whole puppet crew. Love they were so, the so lovely, and we definitely want to speak to quite a few of those. So, yes, Sarah and Olivia. This is it. You've been summoned. Yes. You're, they were, <laughs> they're down. They said they're down for it. Um, Good. And we had a lovely chat with Francesca, whose uh, interview you'll be hearing probably in January. And Simone. We love Simone. It was so lovely. And Amir came up and gave us a cuddle. Oh, it was just so nice. It was really lovely. It was really, really lovely to see a lot of people in person that we've spent an hour on video chat with and not seen in person and to be able to actually thank them in person for coming on the podcast and for all their work it was really lovely and the whole vibe was just a really big party everyone was just so happy and a little bit sad because it means it's coming to an end but yeah lovely it felt like we'd been invited to like someone else's like school reunion kind of (laughs) but it was great we really enjoyed crashing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> absolutely yes it was so much fun and also a shout out to russell dodgson because he's our pal from the beginning and he was very much like you guys are part of the family now and that was really sweet and i was like yeah. oh yes and a shout out to all of our a bunch of our social media friends that were yes. there yes twitter gatsy his dark materials gitana i hope i'm saying your name right but all these lovely people 
yeah. Nina. It was so nice to see everyone. It was really nice. I love, love, love the energy of the show that is so open and welcoming to fan produced content and fan fans in general super fans fans of the books and the fact that they invited some fans to the premiere was us being some of those fans was really really just uh, just shows how lovely they are and how encouraging they are of the fandom it's so great i love it it's so cute me too <laughs> it, it was so lovely to have that atmosphere amongst like the cast and crew party to have that like excitement from the like super fans as well was really great one of my favorite parts was <laughs> amir had invited like a bunch of his friends and so funny when they started playing the episodes every time he came on on screen for like the f- the first 10 minutes they were all just like whoa wow oh my god woo like cheering him <laughs> so cute it was so great and then in the q and a afterwards there's a couple of little sneaky bits we will share that we remember from the answers at the q and a because we did not record it or anything um but during the q and a one of Amir's friends like was like put their hand up to ask a question and then they were like I'm not going to ask a question I just want everyone to give a big shout out to my best friend Emil Wilson everybody cheer for everybody oh. cheer for him and then everyone just gave it was so cute it was really really <laughs> cute but yeah we had had the best time and we wouldn't have been able to do that without people listening to the podcast so thank you everybody for listening and hopefully we do a good job of relaying the information that we found from those things to you guys because honestly we wish that we could all go all together because that would be so fun but i don't think the the bfi would hold us all but <laughs> we could give it a good go so hopefully yeah we do a, a decent enough job of, of kind of taking you there with us even though we can't actually take you there with us okay shall we talk about episode two yeah let's get into it Oh, 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 before oh. we start, this is the episode that comes out on the 30th, I think. So, Happy New Year, Happy almost. Happy New Year, almost. <laughs> and, and if you've celebrated Christmas, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy Holidays. I hope you've enjoyed whatever break you, winter break you've had. And, yeah, just, I, I, I keep remembering that we're, it's the future. You can hear us in the future. And so, Happy New yeah. Year. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we should have said, like, Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, if you celebrate in the last episode that went out on the 23rd. <laughs> Eh. whatever (laughs) it's all right i remembered for this one so belated happy holidays Mm -hmm. okay so this episode is a continuation of episode one and we have now seen it twice back to back with episode one Uh, thrice if you count if you if you count (laughs) just now when we've made notes for it but we've seen it with episode one twice and the tiny tiny gap that they left in those screenings was ridiculous. Like, I loved it. Obviously, loved being there. But I was like, I need a wee. And I've got to wait another hour. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They do. I do appreciate in um, one of the press screenings that we went to, um, one of the things that Jane has said is that because they're airing the show on HBO as couplets, as like two episodes at a time, it is very nice that the episodes do actually kind of fit together in that way quite nicely. And it did feel that way watching them as two together for us at the at the previews that we saw. So yeah, this very much does feel like a swift continuation on from where we left off. Yeah, for sure. One thing that I wanted to mention straight away so that I don't forget it is that if if you remember last episode we had a lot of inserts of like Jane, Jack, 
Dan, Amir from when we went to the screening. We still have some of those clips to play, so we will be playing them in this episode. Okay, so Will is very cute in this episode, I would like to say. Yes. Will is a strong ally in this episode. <laughs> he really is. Like <laughs> when he's talking to when he's talking to Balthamos about Baruch and yeah, it's just really nice. Uh, when Baruch's like he mentions that it's a four hundred year long relationship and Will's like, Oh, four hundred years. Yeah. It's a long time. It's just it's just a really nice level of like just, yeah, respect that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> While Will and Balthamos are on the boat having their lovely chat about Balthamos and Baruch, we do get all these lovely shots of Baruch on his travels. And so we get to see very much side by side the solid angel and the not so solid sparkly angel. And um, that's just really cool to see. And if there is a clip that we need to play here with Jane talking, this is where we'll play it. <laughs> so with the angels, we do get more angels in this episode as well. We get Zephania and I can't, I don't know the name of the one that they capture. They do say it. My brain wants to say Aramis, but think that's a musketeer. So maybe it's Al- Alabus? Alabus. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, there Smashed you go. it. Smashed it. Is that Albus? No, not Albus. No, not Albus. <laughs> We're getting more angels coming into the to the storyline. And like one of the things that we heard Jane talk about was that angels were the most difficult to transfer from page to screen. And uh, we can we can play that clip here. I would say angels because that's the I mean that's just the bit that I, I, I found hardest to kind of like pull all the different pieces together because the angels are such a turn um, about, um, you know, they're new characters in season three. Um, and we'd worked so hard to follow that tone of Philip's book where the fantasy is very, very grounded. Um, and the nature of the emotion is often grounded but in a fantastical setting so you, you get that you get that sort of grounded fantasy duality throughout everything and then angels come along and and they talk about about things that we haven't talked about in such detail before and epic wars in the kingdom of heaven um, and and what it means and and yet, in the books, Philip writes the angels as, as as real characters. So how because they are. So how are we going to realise them in a way that allows them to be real characters? But at the same time, they've got enough epic breadth to them that when they start talking about the war in the kingdom of heaven and being thrown out and dark angels and and celestial nature of things, how do you do that and keep it all within the the grammar of the show? And so we 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 worked really really hard to distinguish to create angels that had one form when they appeared on Earth, so you could have actors, you know, giving Will, you know, someone proper to act against when he first sees an angel, or when Coulter and Asriel finally meet Metatron, um, and and Jack to help us through this introduced a whole new character of an angel, so we could literally kind of like dissect a bit what angels were and. How they were made out of dust and what this means um, and it, it was it was one of the most challenging things and in part because we're taking it for granted we'd thought in book three about the ending we would thought about um, 
the Mulefa and the Galavespians and what we could do and the land of the dead and what we could do and what we couldn't do and the angels were just taken for granted and then just suddenly it sort of slapped us in the face <laughs> that actually how do you integrate this and keep an audience with you so that for me was the the bit where I dreamt about them and yeah aged over them and all that kind of good stuff so angels I don't I mean I we would love we would love to hear about what you think of the angels because they are very different I think to how I pictured them and very different to how Phil's described them but purely because Phil has described them in such a like ridiculous amount of ways being so insubstantial and that must be incredibly hard and I know I mentioned last episode that all the different angels have different levels of like shiny gold bronze oh my god is it funny but we learned in this (laughs) she's so shiny (laughs) she's so gold she really is. She just really went for it. Like someone told her that highlighting was in this season and she was like, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, and then we get to see that the dark angel, the angel that fights with Baruch later in the episode has more of like a um, like goth bronzer. Yes. Like, yes. Which more like, but still shiny, but like shaded. It's like shaded with a silver highlight kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I guess like while we're on angels, I'll just say all my spiel about what I wanted to say about their storyline this episode. Absolutely. Well, this is the thing. We're very sporadic with these episodes. We just say whatever the fuck we want. You know we're sporadic. This story is very sporadic. As I was making notes, just trying to be like, what is the order in which things happen? We jump around so much. So sometimes it's just going to be easier to pick one person's thread and follow it through and then jump back to the start again, just because, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess one thing that I obviously want to bring up because we talked about it so much in the book episodes, what do we think of the death of Baruch? Hmm... I feel like it was given even less time in the TV series than it was in the books. They had such a short time. Mm. Visually, I liked how it looked when he was, like, glitching out. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. I thought it looked really good. I thought that the delivery from the actor that plays Baruch was really great when he was, like, dying and stuff. I kind of, I guess, because I think we talked last time about how we've kind of lost out a little bit on sassy balthamos because it's very deadpan balthamos and i feel like maybe because of that choice some of the emotion from baruch's death was missing from the his reaction yeah my main picture from how it plays off in the books which i can completely understand why they have not done it because it would be a very expensive choice in terms of editing but one of my main things that i can visualize when Balthamos hears about Baruch's death is him completely losing it and like flying up and coming crashing back down and flying up in the air and like changing form and all this kind of stuff because of his grief because he's having this moment and obviously that would be a very expensive moment to put on the screen and so they've left a lot of that to the actor and we do get a lot of that pain from him but the way that Balthamos is given to us in the tv series is just much more restrained emotionally and so you're seeing probably the height of what you're going to see of this version of balthamos but it's not and i do think that we get like his grief like peppered throughout this episode and you do see you know you see his choice to leave he's like well baruch's not keeping me here anymore any anymore because he's gone like i don't have to be here like this is human business like blah 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 you do see it like peppered throughout but i think and as well we have to remember that they had eight episodes to do this book and it's just a ridiculous book to do and i think that 
any more time spent on the death of two characters, which, to be honest, as much as we love them, aren't central characters to the story. They're not ones that we've seen before. They're new. It would have taken too much time when we need to be with Asriel, we need to be with Mrs. Colton, we need to be with Will and Lyra and Mary. Like Those are the people that we like need to be with because they have really important stories this season. Yeah, and I, I very much appreciate that, definitely. Um, and I think that's where like some of the niceness does come in with the way that we do see will and and balthamos interacting and you know we do get some of those nuances there but um it seems to be much more focused on they've you know they've prioritized the characters we need to focus on which makes a lot of sense and so yeah when we do see um baruch's actual death scene mostly what i get from it is fucking asriel man oh my god same (laughs) i mean perfect segue about asriel i guess but like honestly (laughs) like what the fuck is he thinking when he is just like okay we need to pick which one works for the authority and which one works for us i'll just randomly pick one because like brooke's like i've got a message for you and then he's like oh you must be on our side then what why what if the message was fuck you like (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) yeah and like a gunway is like i love a gunway so much because like he has this like disdain for asriel and you can tell that like he doesn't agree with what he's saying most of the time. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, the looks that he gives him. It's like he can smell the privilege yes. that Azrael is coming from. And Azrael thinks that just because he's grown his hair out and put it in a burn, and he's wearing, like, he switched from his, like, professor-style, like, woolly jumper into his, like, kind of SWAT team combats that he can, like hang with the cool kids and like pretend like he's like down and dirty but it's like no you're not you're a fucking lord like yeah no. yeah yeah absolutely not for sure and like there's so much as real shit in this episode i love it i love it i'm I so because i'm such a messy bitch <laughs> i love it i love it so much i love james mcavoy's as real i think it's like the perfect portrayal of him and i love it when as on screen as much as it pains me to say because i fucking hate as but they've done such a good job with him. I love it. Part of the reason it's such a good job is because they have portrayed him as a bit of a dickhead, which is a dickhead. <laughs> like, we've been saying it for ages and there was so much of a chance that we would get, would have gotten an Asriel that was portrayed through those rose-tinted glasses that we see him portrayed through in the book by so many characters. And they've not done that. And I love that. Like We get some moments, we get some epic speeches, but we don't get like... There's a couple of bits in this episode where he kind of goes off and you're like, yes, I I agree with everything you're saying, but I still kind of think you're a dick. <laughs> For sure. Honestly, I've got like an all caps in my notes. Like how many fucking times do people have to tell you that Lyra is important before you believe it? Oh my fucking God. Ridiculous. I guess. So one of the interesting things that happens this episode that we don't get in the books is that Asriel... Agunway and Ruta are having, and Stefania are having a conversation. Baruch has just died and they're talking about Lyra because they've heard from Lord Rook that, you know, she's important, all that kind of shit. Yeah, they've heard from Lord Rook that she's important and then they've heard from Baruch that there is a knife and the knife is important and that the bearer is searching for Lyra. So twice this episode, Asriel has been told or the root of all these things has come back to Lyra and Asriel has basically ignored it. I guess three times because he finds out that Lyra's with Mrs. Coulter as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's becoming increasingly harder for him to ignore Lyra 
as much as he wants to. As much as he disses her at every opportunity. Oh, oh when he's like, oh, she's not fucking, like, she's got no skills apart from being able to read the Alethea Moon. She's got a nurse for trouble. And, like, in fairness, Stell does, like, call him out. I love that conversation and was like a little bit sad that it gets cut short because that's the conversation they're having just before Ruta runs in and says that there are angels fighting so that's when he's found out that Lyra is Eve but he doesn't know about the knife yet and the way that she calls him out and she literally like growls she like leopard roar do leopards roar? does she roar at him? I don't don't know know. (laughs) she like snarls at him Yeah. Um, and like I loved that interaction because he like that's him calling himself out on his bullshit and I like for sure and I really like that it ends on the question of, he says something along the lines to Stella of, what do you want me to do? Or what do you want from me? And she's like, the truth. And then we don't get to hear what the truth is. No. So good. Yes. Yeah. One of the things we get that's not in the books, apart from, well, obviously all of this isn't in the books, but one of my favourite things is the contrast between Agunwe and Azriel in terms of bad dad, good dad. Because uh, we get here... Asriel, well, a gunway being like, well, who's Lyra? Who's this person? And Asriel's like, and then I think Ruta says it's Asriel's daughter and the look that a gunway gives Asriel. And then a gunway's like, how do we, oh my God, like, how do we protect her? And he's like, we're not going to. Oh, if there's anyone that doesn't need protecting, it's Lyra. She's a child. So rude she's a fucking child like okay she can protect herself to a certain extent but not so it is what does he say like the only thing that lyra is is like the product of me and marissa and like nothing else and it's like what (laughs) what honestly we really picked up on this in these first two episodes and it was a question that we asked to jack and we asked him well rich actually asked him is it? Did you put it in there on purpose? The the contrast between good dad a gunway and bad dad Azriel. So. I did. We had a conversation with both Jack and Jane at the same time, and so I think Jack is, as we find out, <laughs> quite elusive on answering questions. He likes to let the 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 readers, the watchers, he likes to let us make our own decisions and come to our own conclusions. So, but what I love about Jane is that she has come to conclusions yeah. and she is happy to tell them to us. So yeah. you will hear us asking this question to Jack and Jane definitely stepping in and saying what she thinks, which I love. Me love too, <laughs> me too. So yes, we asked Jack if um, a gunway was written in such a way as to deliberately call out Asriel's bad behaviour. Jane's nodding that I did. I did deliberately do that, you think. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, you know, um, it's... I think you... I, go on. <laughs> She's so much better at talking than me. <laughs> I'm not, I just, but, I just feel like always going... But I think you did because in, um, in a later... You have in episode three... When or was no no because in episode two when Ogunwe discovers stuff about Lyra and Asriel he does he does and yeah. he's so angry about it yeah and it works because you put it in that context and you've also got when you were talking earlier about those lovely moments and how we find room in the script um, and the production to let those lovely moments in the script breathe it's that moment when. Asriel is looking at a gunway yeah. with um, Aria and um, and just looking at how a father and daughter are behaving together and you can just read on that everything. Yeah. So I think 
it was deliberate, but also you're a good dad, so you want to put good dads in lots of things. <laughs> but also, yes, Azrael's a bad dad. Mm -hmm. Yes, Azrael's a very, very bad dad. But there are elements of him that have got... There's shafts of light, I would say, in his fatherhood. And looking around the playground, as I do now, there are quite a lot of Azrael's out there, and I don't condemn them all. I think. <laughs> I think. I think that in the TV show you've done a better, like a good job at, at like giving us, like you said, there's like slats of light with Asriel. You don't get that too much in the books, but I think it's because what you were saying earlier about you actually don't see a lot of Asriel. No. Um, not until like the very end of the Amber Spyglass, mm -hmm. a little bit peppered in in the beginning, and he's only in real Northern Lights. He's not in the Sultan at all, so it's kind of. I guess you have you have that room to play with it a little bit. My more. my, my favourite scene in series one and one of my favourite scenes in the show altogether is Azrael putting Lyra to bed. Mm. Yes. Because you you can't help it when you're around children. When you're around children, your heart does melt. And Azrael puts his heart in a sort of box and says, you know, I'll come to that when I need it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and he's so in control of himself, like Mrs. Coulter is, and and you just see him melt at key moments and he can't help but but feel for this girl, mm -hmm. um, even though he wants to convince himself he doesn't, yeah. and and he does get her safe. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, and he does keep her safe in his own way, yeah. and that's why I sort of feel like he's not terrible. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't realise how important love is to her, because he doesn't he doesn't put love as an important love doesn't exist as important to him. Mm -hmm. But also, you have the tracking of Stel Maria. So sometimes when Asriel looks like he's on one track and Stel Maria will say something or Stel Maria will look in a particular way or Stel Maria will tell Asriel it's enough or whatever it might be. And so the whole time, you we can make an audience wonder what else is going on because Stel Maria is acting in a different way. Yeah, his conflict is very open. OK, so still on Asriel. He, I think my favourite thing from Asriel this episode is his little dust torture chamber and his conversation with Alarbus. Yes, yes, I think I think so. If not, we've just made up a great angel name. Yeah, right, you can <laughs> use it. Feel free. I was going to say, oh, HDM team, you can use it, but I'm like, no, we're on the last season. <laughs> so I'm disappointed with myself because there are a couple of moments here that made me go, Asriel... Honestly, I'm sorry. Rachel's face. She she's not impressed. No, no. <laughs> I'm it's fine. I'll forgive you. I probably felt them too. <laughs> the bit where he's like you just has some choice lines. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> where he's trying to get the answers out of the angel and he does a little laugh and he goes, Now that's interesting. The way that he says that. I fucking loved it when he's like <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. It's just he's like having a right laugh he's having a proper little like villain monologue moment but also like not oh it's when i mean i guess important information for the series it's when he's kind of he's just found out that there's a region and he's basically just kind of like telling alabas i've just double checked on imdb it is alabas nice Ar archangel alabas um He's telling Alarbus, like, oh, is it that he's a, is it that he can't fend for himself anymore? Is it that he can't, like, is it that he won't rule? Is it that he can't rule? And then he's like, aha, 
oh, you flinched. <laughs> oh, God. It's just ridiculous. I do. There's another line that I really like and just the delivery from James McAvoy of when he's like, I'm going to fucking keep you in here for all eternity. And he's like, I've an angel. I've got no concept of time. And he's like, good for you. <laughs> You'll be quite comfortable then. Love that yes. line delivery. It was so great. I feel like that got like an audible like laugh in the cinema as well when we saw it. It was good. Uh, and the what's <laughs> the bit where he says where did I, he said something about um, <laughs> will his kingdom come? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's when no because Alabas is like oh, the authority doesn't even know who you are, and Azrael's like oh, doesn't know who I am. Me. Oh. Oh, me? But I'm Azrael. Everyone knows who I am. And he's like, but what if I do this? Then will his kingdom come? <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, it's such a bad line. But like, but it's a, such a good line. In a great way for Azrael. Like, it's a bad line, but a good line at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's like... He was so proud of himself. Yeah, himself. exactly. And it's kind of showing, up, showing him up a little bit. Like, come on, mate, you are a bit cringe. It's like, I feel like he'd leave the room and then he'd turn to whatever soldier was at the door and be like, were you listening? Did you see what I did there? Yeah, exactly. With this bit with Azriel, there is a bit here that I remember when we first saw it, we looked at each other and I was a bit like, huh, that I do find one line that I find a little bit clunky. And it's kind of a little bit strange in the sense because it's a very expositiony line, and his dark materials are actually really good at exposition. Exposition is horrendously difficult, especially with something like this that's just so layered. Um, but Asriel is talking about dust, and he says, "And I once killed an innocent young boy in order to harness it." It clunked for me that line. I think mostly because Asriel doesn't give a shit that he killed Roger. In my interpretation, that would not be on Asriel's mind whatsoever. He he complete he doesn't care about Roger. He doesn't even know his name. He's completely forgotten that he even did that. All he cares about is that he got the power to create the hole in the world. He doesn't care how he did it. Yeah, I doubt that he remembers Roger's name. Absolutely do not think he remembers his name. Okay, it's season three. It's book three. We are going to be seeing, you know, Azriel is coming to some kind of redemption arc, maybe. And I think maybe they're trying to show the initial steps of that, of like, he does show regret. He does seem a little bit hurt when people make comments or seem surprised that he doesn't appreciate his daughter or like acknowledge her fully. There is kind of like this like facade that sometimes cracks, but I don't think, I think you're right, like at this point, so early in the season, I don't know that he would acknowledge that he murdered a child um quite so openly but also it is the kind of thing he would announce as if by saying and i did it and i regret it that just counts enough as an apology yeah while we're still at Azriel's camp can we please have a conversation about ruta and a gunway and about oh the energy between them i loved 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 their conversation when Agunway's just constantly existing, having his mind blown because there's like angels and witches and all sorts. And he has this conversation with Ruta and being like, oh, you know, we thought witches existed hundreds of years ago and burned people suspected of witchcraft. And she's just like, yes, I remember. And it's like, oh, it's so good. Interesting, though, because Agunway is not from our world, right? So that means that witch burning and hunting existed in other worlds too yeah i guess just the same as how the magisterium has been persecuting women for centuries in mm. all of its forms across all of the worlds witchcraft is a, re a recurring theme and i kind of love that that like there are these recurring themes through the different worlds 
um, like how in the books we have an alternate Eve story for the Malefa that is like a celebratory one, which um, I guess we we don't know whether or not we have that because we've not even met them yet. So yeah, mm. mm-hmm. yeah, they're definitely <laughs> they're definitely gearing a gunway and root her up to fuck they just keep making eyes there's energy there's a vibe i love it i love the friendship that's forming i love that they're both like cool so we're on asriel's council but we both definitely agree that he's a bit of a dick right <laughs> but also not but so... also root her fucked asriel right that's a thing in the book she definitely did do we feel like she does in the tv series i don't know i don't know she does say that she like he's like do you trust him and she's like yes i do she says it with a lot of vigor that i'm like all right yeah yeah (laughs) speaking of fucking back on to asriel for one quick hot second because somebody asked us at the premiere and we talked about a little bit before anyway we nearly died yeah we nearly died (laughs) so when salmachia is talking to asriel on the lodestone resonator which i fucking love that was my sidebar the lodestone resonator yeah amazing it looks so great very cool and she says lyra is with a woman called marisa coulter (laughs) in that exact intonation (laughs) you're welcome yes (laughs) um and and she says like in the german version and asriel's immediately like i know the place is it their secret fuck place and again this person that asked the question who i think it might have been nina uh nina if you're listening you'll have to tell us if it was you asked this question of jack and jack very sneakily was like Oh, I don't know. It's up to your interpretation. And Jane was like, mm. but also, would you have written it if it wasn't true? <laughs> he was like, well, that's Jane's interpretation as well, I guess. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, it is. And now it's all of our interpretations. But that explains why she's like, I thought he would have been here already. That makes me think it was Asriel. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. If, with regards to the Lodestone Resonator, um, I really love, so we may have noticed that Salmachia has been mentioned. No sign of Tally, as as we've seen so far yet. Um, we've not had a, as much of the Galavespians, perhaps, as we have done in the books up to this point. So it's really interesting to see kind of how they've adapted them differently. We don't have the dragonflies. They've got these fun backpacks. Um, and the lodestone resonator is completely different from how I envisioned it in the books, but it's very, very cool and it fits really well with like the vibe of the world. And I feel like this is something that the show does really well is like they have a real attention to detail when it comes to like the objects and like the important objects. Like the knife is so cool and all of the knife detailing through Chittagatsu was amazing and the angel detailing through Chittagatsu was amazing. And again, with the lodestone resonator, like it fits so perfectly in Asriel's lab. And is a sign of like, if it's a Galavespian piece of technology, that explains, because it's so cool and high tech and weird and different, that explains why Asriel might have been able to even think about inventing a way to open gateways into worlds without murdering children (laughs) or something as cool as the um, midlife crisis mobile, the intention craft. (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) No, I completely agree with you. It's really cool and it fits in really well. One other thing that I wanted to mention is that Sally is played by Sean Clifford, who was... (laughs) I literally turned to Rachel. So, Sean Clifford is the sister in Fleabag. I forget her name, but she plays the sister in Fleabag. And everyone who's seen Fleabag will remember the iconic scene where she gets that horrible haircut and they're both like, it's French. It's French. It's French. (laughs) As soon as I saw her on screen as Sally, because she's got like such a blunt haircut, I just turned to Rachel and I went, it's French. (laughs) 
And then every time she's on screen after that, I'm so sorry, Sean. You do a wonderful job with this character. And the character design is very cool. And they've definitely done something. Again, it's so hard to see because the girl and lesbians are so tiny. And they've not done any, I think, to emphasize how small they are. They've not done a lot of like close-up shots of them so far. And they've mostly been in shadows. So we've not seen a lot of their faces, but they do have something interesting going on with their faces. They're not human faces. They've got some kind of prosthetic makeup or CG effects over them to make them look a little bit different. Yeah, it's very like harsh lines. It's very German discotheque leather vibes <laughs> in the costuming. <laughs> like we said last episode, what did I say? They should be in like some like German synth tech band or something. Yes. Like, and the, again, with the hair, band. it matches that energy. It's French. It's German. It's French. <laughs> Exactly, yeah, 100%. I guess we can talk a tiny bit about Lyra. She's not, like, massively in this episode, as in uh, she is there, but she's asleep a lot of the time. She wakes up at the end. She does wake up at the end. <laughs> one, th- I guess one, the main thing that I wanted to, to mention is at the beginning where she's having the dreams again and she's screaming the perfect scream from Daphne Keane. It's amazing. And where she... Oh, I fucking love this bit. It's so, like, cinematic where she's like, Roger, where are you? And it like goes really quiet and he goes, the land of the dead. And like she turns around in slow motion. Oh, the like cinematicness, that's not a word, but of that is so, mm-hmm. so good. Like you can imagine seeing that in a film. Like I loved that bit so much. Yeah, definitely. The When she's like kneeling on the raft, the raft type thing that, yeah, in the water and like reaching out and yeah, very cool. Daphne's doing a lot of pajama acting in this first couple of episodes. I'm here for it. When she, uh, my heart breaks when she wakes up and Pan is like, "Where were you? I couldn't follow you. Like, where did you go? I couldn't follow you." And it was like, uh, "Don't no, thank you, you dare foreshadow <laughs> a shadow at me like that? It's far too rude." How dare you? How fucking dare so you? So mean. It is so mean. I will also point out that I love that when Lyra actually wakes up and Will like rescues her, I love the outfit that Mrs. Colt has put her, put her in. I would wear that outfit. How considerate to have put her in boots mm-hmm. <laughs> so that she could in not bed. be barefoot while running yeah. for the entire rest of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great outfit. Yeah. Great Do you outfit. like it when, when I get put to bed in my boots? Oh, for sure. <laughs> unless that's what they were doing while Coulter and Gomez were having their tense exchange like Will was just like putting Lyra's shoes on and tying her laces for her when we couldn't see it <laughs> that was cute and Daphne did some great sleepy acting yeah like she holding, did. clinging onto the walls like we saw it in the first episode when she's like stumbling through the rocks but like again with this like doing the like not quite herself the way that she like clings onto Will and like hides a little bit behind his arm and is like very um small behind him just kind of oh, it kind of breaks my heart it was, it was very well done i do think as well if we like i guess move on to to will like he his character and amir these first two episodes are carried by will you see a lot of like will's intentions by himself i mean obviously he's not completely by himself but i guess because we're so used to seeing him with lyra it kind of feels like he's by himself props to amir for for these two episodes and I guess we kind of didn't talk much about the book, but we, uh, when we went to the screening, uh, Amir did talk about filming on the boat, so we can uh, we can pop that in here. You guys saw the stuff on the boat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the boat. Yeah. yeah. So we took motion sipping tablets at the beginning of the day, and then I had six pieces of toast, <laughs> and. It- 
it didn't end out well, but we spent like nine hours on that boat on the on the channel. It was like a, a small small crew, um, and that was a, a fun day, really windy. Um, but I, uh, um, yeah, some insider information. I nearly threw up. I didn't. Um, but Six I, pieces of toast. I That's something only the super young. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know they just had it. On. I really want to eat six pieces of toast. There's nothing beats white, white, white toast and butter. So they, they, kind of, they shouldn't have given me. They shouldn't have given me access to that. They really have. <laughs> they really, and I was struggling towards the end of the day. It was like action. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Yeah, we love a bit of comic relief. I appreciate that. And the dedication of an actor to spend however many days it was on a boat and feel... Was it was it hours? Was it days? I can't remember what he said. But a very long time on a boat with his six or seven slices of toast. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Oh, to be that. a teenage boy with hollow legs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I guess while we're on Will... Well, actually, before, before I go to the scene that I, I'm guessing you're all wanting us to talk mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. we should talk about Will and his exchange with Amma. Yes. I really like how Balthamos communicates with Amma. It's very similar to the way Mrs. Coulter communicates in, in of course, the sense they're both using sign language, but the openness and the tenderness that they both communicate with Amma feels very similar and it's really lovely to see. And it, even though Will doesn't know sign language, the way that he speaks to Amma has a similar vibe as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, like... You can see from the way that Amma's communicating that she is lip reading. And like, I like that there's this kind of general communication between all of them as like, as long as we're all coming to an understanding here, everyone is getting the gist, it's working. And like, Will, and yeah, Will just being really just immediately on it and like not, I don't know, not second guessing anything or just generally being like, cool, this girl seems legit. And oh, how convenient. She just happens to be in a garden collecting a herb that will wake up my friend. How great. <laughs> Again, I think the dust is on their side here where like the fact that she is even willing to trust him just from like his genuineness is means a lot. And I initially, I initially was like, what the fuck are you doing, Coulter? Why are you growing a herb in your garden that can wake Lyra up? And then, because obviously in the books we get this whole Amma side quest, the which I loved with the... Oh, oh no, not with... I'm glad we didn't have to see yes. LMP <laughs> attack a bat. That is good. I did not want to see that. Um, but yeah, we lose Amma side quest and instead of going to visit a priest and bribe him with bread or a, a holy man or a wise man and bribe him with bread, she... And get the mysterious powder to swipe oh, under yes. her nose. They chose to nix the mysterious powder, the, the gentle cocaine, <laughs> and they opted for scrunching some leaves, which I think is a, is a much better visual choice. And um, yeah, initially I was like, why would she have that? In her, why would that be growing in the garden nearby? But then I thought, no, it actually does make sense because Mrs. Coulter is compared for is compared is prepared for all contingencies, and so she may have a reason to have to wait Lyra up in a hurry. And so, of course, she would be growing the antidote to her own poison in her garden, just in case. So that was fine. And the fact that Amma could recognise it because she's great was was lovely. Yeah. yeah. Also, Amma's costuming is so Lyra episodes one and two. Yeah, The dress, is. the like, dungaree dress. It's like they've just gone, this girl could be Lyra in another oh. life. And I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. That's really sweet. I think when we were reading the book, we compared Amma to Lyra as well, didn't we? 
Yeah, very similar energies from both of them, which I love. Yeah, for sure. That's really sweet. I didn't especially think about... sorry, I'm still an Emma. Very similar energies from Emma as Lyra, especially when she just jumps on the guy's back yeah. when they're running away <laughs> later in the episode. I loved it. Very Lyra. Very here for it. For sure. I also really like the decision to change how they leave Amma because if you remember in the books they just abandoned her really they just go and they don't we don't see her again but in the, in the show they've made the decision to for Will to say to her come with us and she says no she wants to stay and I, I liked that because she deserved that ending rather than just disappearing yeah and that she can she can take care of herself because there's like a lot going on <laughs> yeah definitely so yeah we've got Will this is where Balthamos starts to waver as well. So Will's getting the summary. Balthamos does a great job of translating and facilitating communication um, and agrees to wait with Amma while Will goes in and tries to, because Amma lets them know Coulter's gone. Will goes in and tries to wait Lyra, but Coulter hasn't gone. She's snuck through the sneaky tunnels because these chambers hold secrets. <laughs> and then we get to have this amazing, excellent Coulter and Will exchange, which is so beautifully done. It's so great. And we did speak to Amir about this. So before we talk about it, you can hear Amir talk about it. Ruth's just, I was just saying earlier, Ruth's just like an incredible actress to work with because she often plays these really serious roles and these mm. really yeah serious and, and, and strong characters um and she's just really relaxed or set so it's kind of like her ability to be able to um you know go into mrs colton mode is just incredible because as soon as they cut she's just back to normal roof and it's she's just a pleasure to work with we'd spent quite a long time but i think it was like a day and a half filming that scene mm. and it's it's mad that's the thing with filming stuff you know it's a scene that would be like four minutes long in in the final show would would have taken like a day or something yeah. to film which is like just mad to think about um but those days those days with those those obviously early on in the filming process mm-hmm. i think we filmed them a couple of weeks in um and i was quite nervous because it's like, it's my first proper obviously they had that scene where will and lyra escape Oreo's house yeah. in season two um but my first proper direct scene with ruth um yeah. and it was like a a pleasure to be able to work with her so this scene rich you mentioned this when we actually asked Amir the question. Everybody seems to have gotten their big Coulter scene that didn't have a Coulter scene in the book. So like Mary and Lee, and I can't remember if there's anybody else, and now Will, I guess. Yeah, it's a much more expanded conversation than what we get in the book, and I love it. And I love the way that they've changed it, because I remember in the book we felt a little bit uncomfortable about the way that Will seemed to be getting infatuated with Mrs. Coulter, and that there was some like not seductive energy but like that kind of vibe or like crush energy occurring there and we weren't here for it and they've just completely removed that and it's very much a motherly energy and it's very much a pulling on his heartstrings to do with his mum right from the off like the moment when you see it in her face when she says like a child needs their mother and mother needs their child and she sees his face change that's such a moment so well done yes a hundred percent you can see her put it in her file of facts to be like i'll use that to manipulate him in about 20 minutes yeah yeah (laughs) and i think like we've had first of all it's so great seeing this like seemingly softer vulnerable side of mrs coulter because we've never seen it before in season one or season two so it's one of those things where like ruth wilson said it like jack said it jane said it just when you think that you know Mrs. Coulter and her motives, you just don't. She's one of the most like 
elusive characters in literature. It's, in, it's impossible to figure out what she actually wants. And we actually did speak to Jack and Jane about that exact thing, about figuring out whether she's been deceptive or if she genuinely loves Lyra. So we can play that clip now. I feel like I'm on the radio. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Mrs. Coulter, I think is one of the greatest characters in literature. You know, like, you know, I think she is that good. I think she is extraordinary. And I think her journey through all three books is so profound. Mm -hmm. And the thing that you had to keep thinking about with Mrs. Coulter was, as a teenager, she taught herself to separate from her demons. She did that to herself, and we've all been teenagers. We all know what those years are like. We all know what the noise in our heads are like. And she took that noise, and she turned it into pain. Mm -hmm. And she chose pain. And I can't imagine how painful that, that must have been for her. And then she, did, she comes out of teenagehood. She marries a person. She's on a path. She, she can see what the path is, and then she gets hit by a train and that train is Azrael yeah. and then that train gets even more complicated for her when it leads to a child and then that child leads to a murder and and so she has this relationship between control on the one side and and shame on the other yes. and she's constantly fighting those two things and whenever you're writing any scene you're you're constantly and 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 what we felt like with Mrs Coulter and 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 I think you see it in the scene with Emma is actually when she's like Ruth's face suddenly became open you know and she's a beautiful woman of course but it, it suddenly became beautiful yeah. do you know what I mean like you know in a way that you hadn't seen Mrs Coulter's face be it became fresh it became there was all sorts of like light in it yeah. that hadn't been before and it's because even though Lyra is Lyra is on her even though Lyra is on, <laughs> uh, even though Lyra is on you know uh, is unconscious mm -hmm. she's she's at peace with something. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, something is finally making sense to her and that that shame and that pain is sort of being resolved within her somehow in this new path that she's got, which is, I am going to be a mother first and foremost and I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect my child and I don't care who hates me, yeah. even if it is my child. Yeah. And that's, you know, I love, I love all that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you, you also, also, there is... Um, on alongside of all that brilliance there is the narrative journey for Mrs Coulter who as you know when the moment comes will have to use one of the greatest skills she has which is to hide the good in herself um, and and she does that we have seen her all the way through from season one it's that thing of knowing where you are in the end of a trilogy and being able to go back all the way through and time and time again Jack has seeded in little moments where Mrs Coulter will suppress the good in herself either with kind of major impact in a kind of commanding of the specters type way or in smaller instances where she'll turn her back on something or or, or, or resolve um, you know resolve to move on in some way um, so that it's 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 like a deception of herself in a way uh, as as well as deception in in others but yeah so mrs coulter and will in this episode it's probably the the pinnacle scene of the episode the best scene of the episode we spend quite a bit of time with the two of them mrs also just mrs coulter saying help me to will like will said to the alethe alethiometer in the episode before so good this episode for ruth 
is such a triumph because as we know as the book goes on we're going to be spending more time with Will and Lyra. Mrs. Coulter's going to go off and do her own things, but we see a bit less of her. And so it's so great to have these two episodes be so Coulter heavy and to have these this great conversation between Coulter and Will and then to go on and have another great conversation between Coulter and Gomez and then Coulter and Will again. <laughs> it's just... Oh my God. Ruth is really on it. I love... She made a comment. One of the great questions that came up at the Q&A after the premiere screening was somebody asked Ruth about... Um, her favourite costumes and about playing Coulter and the softer side of Coulter and she said that it was really interesting and she kind of struggled to find and enjoyed finding Mrs Coulter in flat shoes and knitwear because the costuming for Coulter is so so different in these episodes as compared to what we've seen in the other seasons there's no power shoulder there's no power heel it's knitwear it's flat shoes it's practical Coulter but not practical safari Tory jodper culture <laughs> like yes. cozy comfy cottage mum culture and it's just so different and it's so interesting to see that like performance coming out of ruth in such a different energy yeah i loved it 100 <laughs> percent. I, I think one thing to note as well is that she's been talking to the monkey even just in these two episodes a lot more than we've ever seen her do before in a way that makes you feel like they're more equals and not culture just you know, being Coulter to the monkey, do you know what I mean? Like it feels like they're more on the on the on a similar, uh, I guess, wavelength. She is putting more trust in the monkey. She's like confiding in the monkey a little bit more. We only get a few lines here and there, but you can really sense that she is starting to, I guess, repair that relationship. I'll try to. Yeah, they're a bit more of a team, I think, than they have been, um, because. And they've done such a good job of portraying that through seasons one and two, like getting establishing that the relationship is toxic and then having her like literally reject the monkey and leave him at home in that episode oh, in season God. two when she's in like Will's Oxford. Oh, gosh, that's it. Heartstrings. And then, yeah, seeing that kind of like push and pull starting to come back in these episodes and like maybe a mending of the relationship or at least an understanding is very cool. Yeah. And also when Will and uh, Mrs. Coulter are having their first conversation, for people that have not read the books, Amir does a really good job of like convincing you that he is really going to leave Lyra behind with Mrs. Coulter. And he just like walks out. And if you don't know what's about to happen, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, when he's like, cool, well, I guess you've got to say if I'm going to go and take the knife to Asriel. Oh my God. When, she, when he says Asriel and Mrs. Coulter's like, no, 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 no. not fucking Azrael, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That bloody man. <laughs> I love, I loved it. Um, yeah, I really, really appreciated that face acting, that, that acting from Ruth Wilson. The moment she heard Azrael's name, it was like, oh, yes, um, so good. But yeah, there's a lot of toing and froing in this episode because, yeah, we get Will says that he's not going to come back for Lyra. He leaves. He has a conversation with Balthamos and Amma saying that he's going to go back. And Balthamos is like, I don't know about this. You didn't do it the first time. And so now I'm out. And he just kind of pieces out and leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. I I guess if we're talking about Coulter, we can segue into talking about Gomez, daddy. But also, when he's on the Magisterian airship. He's reading his little book. <laughs> the, the fuckboy energy of that. It's like a fuckboy reading a book on a tube, trying to get the attention of, like, a girl or whatever. Look at me, I'm so intelligent reading my book. Like, fuck yeah. off. And you know it's going to be some, some kind of, like, 
I don't know. Is it Niche? Nisha? Nietzsche? What's the what's the author that's just like the wankiest author to have read? Oh, I have I no like idea. It's, it's some kind of philosophy slash socialist text. But yeah, it's definitely going to be, he's like, oh, I'm reading the biography of Che Guevara, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That yeah. kind of level of fuckboy. <laughs> but yeah, all the army guys like sat there like patiently waiting to be dropped off in their blimp. And he's like cracking a book. Like, I'm just so dedicated. Oh, and so such a tortured soul. <laughs> Honestly. Also, like, this scene with him and Mrs. Coulter, like, Jamie Ward has, like, a really, for want of a better word, like, delicious way of delivering lines. Like, the way that he speaks, I love it. He's just, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but it, I guess it's his enunciation. It's just so great. Yeah, it's such a contrast, too, because I guess with the two the two main figures that we're seeing a lot of from the Magisterium at this point now are Father Gomez and Father McPhail. Or Father President McPhail, actually. How dare you? Um, <laughs> and we, you know, we see Father President McPhail giving this big speech before he sends the boys off in their blimp to be like, "We're going to end sin in all worlds," and very like fervent and shaky and you know extreme and like kind of on the edge of losing control. And then Father Gomez has this like odd, sad, quiet calmness. This is not meant as an insult in any way, but he's such a watery-eyed character. Yes. Like, he always looks just, like, ever so slightly on the edge of tears. Like, it pains me so much to do this, but in a way that also I'm taking a lot of pleasure in it. And, like, you can't put your finger on why it's... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's the, like, quiet, using Mrs. Coulter's, like, motherhood of Lyra to manipulate her is like a clever move i guess from gomez he says some things which make me laugh one of them's gonna make you shake your head at me when he says sit girl <laughs> one half of me was like ew, ew. <laughs> the other was like yes daddy <laughs> <laughs> but th- so this is this is the thing this is the thing and we know this he is doing a great job of playing a creep and then they've cast a guy that is very attractive to be so creepy and then he's playing it in this way that is so hard to put your finger on and he again conducts himself in a way that is very similar in a lot of ways to Mrs Coulter in terms of like the manipulation the way he approaches things the like the soft inevitability of it like that's what he's going for and we've not seen him lose his shit like we have seen Mrs Coulter lose her shit so he doesn't have that same element of danger it just feels like quiet and inevitable and creepy for that reason as well um yeah the little exchange where Mrs Coulter Mrs Coulter's got LMP to bash her over the head with a rock and that that little exchange that they have where she's like pretending that Will's already rescued Lyra and like he like steps and she like nudges and that whole exchange is like oh and then yeah when they come in and they're both sat there at the fireplace like and it's such a mirroring of like the scene with like will and coulter it's yeah yeah what do you think her intentions were because obviously she she does what you just mentioned she like flinches as if to move towards the house when he tries to move towards the house and then she says please and it sounds genuine and then she leads him towards the house but, and she only then decides to hit him over the head with the rock when she sees Will peeking through from the other window. So, like, what was her plan here? Or do we think that she didn't have one and she was just going to figure it out when she got into the the house? Yeah, I think 
I think buying time was her first best plan. I think she was hoping either Will or Asriel would show up because I still think there's a hope in there. He does know where the love shack is. It's true. So it's true. We know. I think this. she's still hoping he might show. And as we know, he is very much on his way because he knows where the love shack is. He's getting that intention crap. He's on his way, there. but it's fucking late, isn't it? Of course oh, he yeah. is. Of course, he misses all the action. But this is the thing, like, if maybe if she had been able to stall uh, for long enough, Asriel would have showed up. Mm, but then what, True. you know, one guy and his snow leopard and an intention craft against how many airships? I don't know. So might not have been that helpful. I, yeah, I think she was just trying to buy as much time as she could. And then the please was, it did feel very, very genuine. And I do think she is very genuine because, oh that moment after she's bashed in with the rock and she goes to Will and Lyra and she starts packing the bags. That is so genuine and heartbreaking. The way that she says, like, Will, I knew you'd come back. It's very, like, theatrical. Very, like, earnest, I guess. I knew you'd come back. Um, It's very sad, that bit. Like, it did get me. I was like, oh, no. Genuinely. They're not going to let you go with them. Yeah. It's the way that it changes as well in that moment. Like, because I don't, she seems so genuine. And then when he turns around and threatens her with a knife, he's like, you back off. Like, absolutely not. And and again, Lyra's like kind of cowering behind him. She can see that she, she, you know, it's fucked up. It is just so heartbreaking. And the fact that she then turns to being like, because you can see it's very much like you hurt me. Now I'm going to hurt you and do anything I can to make you stay when she starts like pulling on the mother thread. One of my... I think favourite Mrs. Coulter scenes ever is the bit where the knife breaks and the sudden turn in her where she gets the gun and she's like, leave, you're useless to me without the knife. Leave. Yeah. Done. It makes perfect. you wonder how genuine it was to begin with. Though. Yeah, That's exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, you just, she's so unknowable. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. Like, fucking hell, Ruth Wilson. And, and a BAFTA and an Emmy and all the awards for Ruth, please. Yeah, no, I love that. And that whole exchange and the stale, the the stalemate with the gun and then just Sally dropping in, doing a quick sting and being like, ha-ha, me and my French haircut saved the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you did this, but I definitely counted the pieces of the knife on the floor just to make sure that yeah. it, it was seven pieces. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> It sticks on the floor and then the knife is still counts as one piece, I guess. So Yes. That's what I've got on my tattoo. Did I tell the, the, the gang, the group? Oh, I don't I know. Like, we told them about my tattoo, tattoo but we didn't leg. tell them about yours, I don't think. Girl, I got a solid knife tattoo on my leg and it's broken. As in like it's a tattoo of a broken knife, not my leg is broken and I have a tattoo on it. <laughs> but you know, if my leg ever did break, I would fingers crossed it never will, but if it was that, like, I'd be disappointed if it broke it into anything other than seven pieces. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. I'm touching a lot of wood right now because I definitely don't want to break my leg in seven places, so. <laughs> it is a great tattoo. We put, uh, it's on our Instagram somewhere, I'm pretty sure, or Twitter. It's Did on our Twitter, it's not on our Instagram. I haven't, but maybe I you will. You should do a post. You should do yes. a post. So, what, there's a, a Gomez line that I want to call out which is you gave her the terrible punishment of her existence I was like I feel that I didn't ask to be born oh yes <laughs> two people got together in the 90s and now I have to pay my bills in an energy crisis absolutely exactly <laughs> right and then I love when she hits him around the head with a rock and then she's just like, oh dear. He'd mentioned something about the strength to do something earlier in the conversation and she hits him with the rock and she says like, oh, I think I found that strength. 
after all. As the way she says it, I think the line ends in strength. I don't know, but it's such a Ruth moment. It's so great. So great. <laughs> and again, the cinema laughed. <laughs> I'm scrolling through my notes and I don't think I've got anything else to say. I mean, Asriel pushing Gomez's head is, is quite funny and then checking Coulter's pulse. We do get a great moment. Um, so between the face-off, just before Samaki does a sting, Daphne gets to have her acting moment of the episode that isn't just being sleepy when she... And you, it's like the last Coulter and Lyra moment we get before Lyra is take, like is, is gone. It, the whole thing of just like, please just like leave me alone. <laughs> like, why can't you let me go? It's just so beautifully done. And so like, it's with Mrs. Coulter in such a different place to when we've seen that that happen in other, in the other series is um it's a really great moment and then my other top tip top moment i definitely wanted to mention was as they're running away and yorick's here Yay. and lyra just goes yorick's here and will's like i'll tell you about it later <laughs> i love the shot of him like jumping over the two of them when they're like when they duck down but it, her delivery of, of yorick's here is really good it's so good it's so well done and will shooting somebody as they're running away and the way that Amir puts down the gun, like, again, great acting from him. Just, like, the shock on his face as he re- as it sinks in that he's just shot someone. And the way that he just, like, he doesn't drop it. He just, like, puts it down and then carries on is just so, it's very well done. It's a real moment. Like, you can see it hitting. It was really good. Absolutely. Just genuinely really enjoyed these episodes. Good episode. Really enjoyed Asriel coming in and being like, damn, I'm too late. And that's it. Just like, yep, yeah, that's it. You're useless. It's too late. And then hard cut to Will and Lyra in the deserty world that they're in and just laying there and holding hands. The and Lyra's hold. just like very definitely awake. I don't, I can't, I couldn't tell if Will was awake or not, but the way that she, they're just laying there and holding hands, it's just together at last that's the first we're seeing of like them getting closer and i love that it was lyra's initiative to take his hand as well so there was no hesitation there either do you know like sometimes with those situations you're like oh does that person want to like touch me and hold my hand but she just went for it and i liked that yeah so sweet so yeah i feel like it's a really nice place to like end the episode like will and lyra are together and yes salmaki has followed them into another world and yes asriel has colter and like you know, we're still very much in a precarious positions all around, but it's just a really nice end to that second episode to be like, oh, we got Lyra back. It's okay. Yeah, they're together again and yeah. Lyra's back. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm bloody looking forward to episode three, let me tell you, or talking about episode three. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited to watch it again because it'll only be the second time I've seen it. <laughs> We've now seen the first two episodes three times. Not that we're complaining because they are great episodes, but I actually, because we watched episodes three to seven like back to back in one day so it will actually be interesting to watch them to make notes because I, I they all like blend into one for me so yeah and i think because we've watched episodes one and two three times each they've both blended in and especially because we've two of those occasions we've watched one and two back to back they've kind of blended for me as well so i forget what we've talked about i love the chaos of these episodes though mm. mm-hmm I feel like this is the, even though a lot of people, when they talk about our podcast, they're like, oh, it's very much just like sitting down and discussing it with friends. We genuinely don't discuss the episodes very much at all when we watch them. So this is literally, you're just hearing two friends discussing the episodes and attempting to format it into a podcast. So this is as close as it gets. These are my favourite type of our episodes because we just chat absolute shit and there's no structure. 
I hope you enjoy the chaos. Yeah. I enjoy creating the chaos. <laughs> yes, we hope you enjoy it. And uh, we will see you in a week for oh episode three. A week's time. Bye. So exciting. And by the time we next record an episode, the whole thing will probably will be out on iPlayer and we'll actually have been able to have discussed more of it with more of our patrons because I'm assuming a lot of people are going to binge it. So that's very exciting. Oh, and that's the thing to mention, I guess. We like the chat is picking up in our Discord now with everyone, with uh, the US getting the first few episodes on HBO. There's a lot of chat going on. Everyone's getting excited for the episodes. So if you want to join in on that, then uh, you can become a patron and get access to the Discord. Yeah. It's really fun. We, if you're worried about spoilers, we have separated channels for spoilers and no spoilers. So there are spoiler safe channels and spoiler not safe channels for all of your discussion needs in the Patreon Discord. Yes. Come and join us. It's so much fun over there. It is so much fun. Also some like cracking book recommendations recently. I've been really appreciating it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Daddy Gomez, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about Woolly Jumper Coulter, I am making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, rachemakes.co.uk. A huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings and to the HDM team for inviting us to all the cool promos and shit. Yeah, and we'll see you in a week's time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Bye 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 b